0: Luke 24, starting verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were held that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive." And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto a village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon, and they told what things were done in the way and how he is known of them in breaking of bread. Let us pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for today that we can come together to worship, to read your word, to hear your word preached. I pray that you would remove the distractions far from us, that you would have our hearts intent to hear your word, that we may leave different than we came, that we can go out to be light shining in a dark world. May you be glorified to stay in what we're saying to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, David.
1: You guys ever seen um, those uh, those before and after ads? You know, you got the, the before picture of the person who is just in desperate need of whatever the product is. Um, and then you have the after picture. After they take the product and their life has just been revolutionized. The one that catches my eye all the time now... Is the uh, is like the Rogaine ones, the ones. Um, hey, what? what? Um, so I um, because because what's happening is I'm looking more and more like the guys in the before pictures. Um, I look in the mirror about once a year. That's my that's my habit. I don't I don't like to look too much more than that. Um, Self esteem stuff. And so uh, I look in the mirror and man. I have less and less and less hair, um, and I, kept, I see those before and after things. And there's the guy who's looking a lot like me in the before picture, and then the guy who looks, you know, he's just got a full head of hair because he's 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 done the thing with the Rogaine. He's sprinkled on his head, or he's eaten it, or I don't know what I don't know what you do with Rogaine, but he's done whatever you need to do, and voila, he. Um, has got his hair back. And, uh, I think to myself, I'm gonna do that. And then I think to myself, no, that's stupid. So I don't do it. And one day, one day I will look in the mirror and I'll wish that I looked like the before guy, you know? I'd be done looking like I, I'd be done wishing I looked like the after guy. I'm just looking, I wish I could look, go back to looking like the before guy. Um, but I've decided, um, that I don't care. I'm not going to buy Rogaine. I'd rather spend my money elsewhere. So, I hope you guys are fine with a bald pastor. We, um... We have a different kind of before and after picture today. I have cleared this with my wife, too. I'm just like, you know, like, you saw, like, my dad, right? And you've seen pictures of my grandpa. Like, you, you know where this is headed, right? Okay, good. Um... We have a different kind of before and after picture in today's sermon, in today's passage. Um, but it is it is the, the passage is structured that way though. We we definitely have a before and an after picture. It's nothing to do with male pattern baldness. It's it's um, much more important than that. At the beginning of our passage. We have a we have disciples who start out just incredibly disappointed. I mean, their hopes are dashed. Life doesn't make sense. They've gone all in on following Jesus, and now he's dead. And this was not supposed to happen. Nothing makes sense. So they are just completely disillusioned. That's the before picture. I mean, if you look at the disciples in the before picture, it is sad. And then at the end of our passage, though... Their hearts burn within them. They are filled with anticipation and excitement and joy. Don't we want anticipation? Don't we want to be on the edge of our seats about something? These, these disciples go from hopes dashed, broken hearted, to filled with excitement and anticipation and joy. What happens in between? What product is the Bible pushing here? What happens in between? The world's best Bible study. That's the the organization of the sermon this morning. If you like outlines, if you like sermon outlines, here it is. Part one, before the Bible study. Part two, the Bible study. Part three, after the Bible study. And again, yes, I wrote this sermon myself. All right, let's dig in. Part one, before the Bible study. The before picture is sad. Starting in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, um, and not because he doesn't know, but because he's just entering into their conversation, He says to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Um, Jesus can tell by their tone of voice um, that they are sad. He can tell by the looks on their face that they are sad. So he comes up to them and he asks them. And again, not because he doesn't know, but because he wants to have a conversation with them. He says... What's happening? You guys look sad. What's going on? Then one of them, verse 18, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these there in these days? It has been a rough week. This has been the worst weekend of my life. Verse 19, And he said to them, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was mighty, a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was, to, he was the one to redeem Israel. We had set our hopes on this guy. And the chief priests and rulers have condemned him to death and and crucify him. They are so desperately sad and disappointed. You can hear the heartbreak in their words. They had, they had set all their hopes on Jesus and now it's, it's over. They're completely disillusioned. They won't even, look at the verse 22. They won't even allow themselves to, to entertain the idea of a resurrection. They won't, they won't allow themselves To even think that it might be true. Have you ever been so sad and so heartbroken that you, you hear the possibility of hope and you're just like, I'm not even, I'm not even going to entertain it. I do not want to get my hopes up because I'm just going to be, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be heartbroken again. I'd rather just stay here in my sadness and not get hurt again. These guys are struggling. Yes, and besides all this, the end of 22. It is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So they're, they they they've heard the story of the resurrection, but they're just they they the 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 cross what happened on the cross has just its destroyed them. They are heartbroken. They cannot get past it. And they will not even allow themselves to have the possibility of a resurrection ease their sadness. They're not even going to entertain it And so verse 25, And He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? Jesus says to them, O foolish ones. And this is the Old Testament, the the word that we see all the time for fool or foolish ones in the Old Testament is about like our just... Our our disregard for God. We, we the fool in the old testament says there is no God. That's not the kind of fool here that Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying your your, your understanding is messed up. You don't see the whole story. You're not thinking correctly. Here's here's why. They could not get their minds around even the possibility of Jesus being raised from the dead because they didn't think that the Messiah would suffer. So they had their own very precise vision of who the Christ would be, who the Messiah would be. And and the crucifixion didn't fit into that at all. Like, the crucifixion did not fit into their theology. It did not fit into their understanding uh, of who Christ would be. So they said, "We hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel, but he's obviously not. Because the one who is going to redeem Israel is not going to be publicly shamed by Rome. The one who's going to redeem Israel is going to come and shame Rome. He's going to come and conquer Rome. He's going to come and humiliate Rome. He's not going to come and be humiliated by Rome. That makes no sense whatsoever. That doesn't compute at all. There's no way that the Messiah was going to come and be publicly shamed by Rome. He was not going to die naked and bleeding with a crown of thorns on his head and the spit of Roman soldiers dripping off his face. The Messiah was not going to die that way. There's no way. We have a hard time and I've talked about this a couple of times before but it's good for us to remember because we think of the cross as a beautiful thing. We have it like on necklaces and, and on works of art and we have it in our, in our foyer out there and we have it, it's on, it's on church steeples and, it's, and people get tattoos of it and they put it on their shirts and bumper stickers. They, they, the cross is a beautiful thing to us. But here, it would have been, I, whew, sorry, um, it's going to happen a couple of times, you're going to have to get used to it. Um, here in this day that would have been like wearing a um, an electric chair on your shirt it was it was shameful it was ugly it was humiliating it, it it was i mean it was synonymous with with dying the shameful death of a criminal it was ugly the, the cross to us is beautiful because we know what Christ accomplished on it for us. But that's not what these guys were thinking. The, the, the cross was a shame. It was a disgrace. And there's no way that their Messiah was going to be publicly shamed like that. Look so pathetic and weak. No way! So Jesus says to them, Oh foolish ones, and listen to this, Slow to heart, slow of heart to believe all, all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. And again, they have no idea that this is Jesus. This is just some random stranger who's coming along and talking with them. So they have no idea who he is at this moment. And he is saying to them, you guys, you you don't understand all of what the prophets have written. You you haven't incorporated all of the Old Testament into your theology. This is why you're sad. This is why you're disappointed because there's a bunch of Scripture that you've left out. Here is So what we're going to do here for a moment is diagnose these guys. Here's why they're in this before picture. Here's why they're so sad looking. Like if you were going to if you're going to look at me in 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 9 years I'll be 50. And you you, you look at me and then you look at a 50-year-old uh you look at a picture of my dad when he was 50 and a picture of my grandpa when he was 50, You're going to well that's why that's why Steve's bald cuz you know that's his dad that's his grandpa. And you're like no no no, it's his maternal grandpa. My maternal grandpa is even bolder than my my paternal grandpa. So I'm just like There's not a 50 year old in my family tree with hair, so I'm just like, I know where we're going. I can diagnose this situation. We're diagnosing these guys' situation. Here's why they're sad. Here's why they're sad. They've left out big chunks of the Bible. When they figured out who the Messiah was going to be, they left out all kinds of scripture. Why have you not believed all that the prophets have written? There's a whole bunch of stuff in, in there about suffering. And you've been all of it. Can we just stop and say right now, like if you're a, if you're a believer this, this morning, if you're a Christian, and you find yourself just really struggling with apathy or with disappointment, if life just does not make sense to you, if life just is not making sense, and you are just heartbroken, or you are confused... Let's think about this little part of the story carefully. Could, could it be that you're leaving out big parts of what the Bible has to say about who God is, about suffering before glory, about the way life works, about the way God comforts us, about the way grace happens? Could it be that the, that the suffering before glory trajectory of the Christian life could it be that when Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, uh, don't, don't be surprised when they hate you. They, they, they hated me also. Don't be surprised when you're afflicted. God doesn't take away affliction. He gives comfort in affliction. Could it, could it be that um, we're confused and disappointed and disillusioned because we're, we're leaving out a lot of what the Bible has to say about the way life works? Um, uh, Colin, Pastor Colin is, he is, he is more of a handyman than I am. He's more mechanically inclined than I am. He's more of a, like, a person who can do stuff around the house as far as fixing things and more of a landscaper and more of a, just, he's more of that than I am. He's still not much of one. Um, he's, so this is a really, I mean, the bar is pretty low, um. Neither one of us are going to quit our day jobs anytime soon. Um, so he had this, um, and, and I'm using this because I don't want him to use it first. So I'm using this as a sermon illustration because I don't want him to get it first. Um, and I'd rather embarrass him instead of me for once. So um, he had this stump in his yard. And, uh, and Kyle Miller was over at his house and he saw the big stump in Colin's yard. And Kyle was like, what are you going to do with that? And Colin's like, well, I don't know. One day I pulled on it and nothing happened, so I guess I'm not going to do anything, you know? I, I don't know. I, I, I used up all my tools and all my expertise and then I just kind of said, well, I'm going to kind of have that stump. And that is what's going to happen. And so Kyle took it out, right? So he, he hooked it up to his truck and pulled it out and then it was fine because, yeah, so um, we do that with the Bible. We run into a stump. Well, that doesn't fit with the way I believe. That isn't, that's, not, that's not the way I think God should work. That doesn't feel right. That feels a little judgy. That feels a little hard. That feels a little something. That doesn't feel quite right. I'm just going to plow around it. Or you could have Kyle Miller come over and cut that part of your Bible out. Um, probably not. I'm just going to plow around it. If you find yourself plowing around a lot of the Bible, it's time to to, um, adjust your theology. It's time to adjust your understanding of who God is. These guys hadn't done that yet. And uh, so they were disillusioned. They were disappointed. That's the before picture. That's before the Bible study. Now part two, the Bible study. This is verse 27. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And I know I say that a lot, but it's true. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. So I, it seems to me, it seems to me that these guys didn't recognize Jesus because God was keeping them from recognizing Him. That's what it seems like, okay? Um, up in verse 15, uh, 16, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. Okay, so that sound, you know, that doesn't that seem like Someone is keeping them from knowing who Jesus is. Someone's keeping them from this. And so, what Jesus could have done in that moment is just kind of take the blinders off, right? He could have done some, some really cool miraculous thing. And just said, guys, I'm risen. Look, here I am. The women were right. The angels were true. I'm, I've, I've risen from the dead. He could do that. That's what he could do. Jesus has power we don't have to do really cool things we can't do. But what does Jesus do instead? He does a Bible study. He says, "Look at the scriptures. Jesus does something, obviously way better than we can do it, but Jesus does something that we could do. What does Jesus do with his broken-hearted disciples? He points their nose in the book. He says, "Let's look at Scripture. And so this is a, um, this is a seven mile walk. It's probably about two hours if they're, if they're, if, you know, they're walking at sort of a normal pace. And so he spends this two hours teaching them the Old Testament. He spends this two hours opening up the Old Testament and saying, this thing is about me. This thing is about me. Jesus says a lot of the same stuff in John 5. In John 5, he says, you search the Scriptures because... And he's, and he's talking to people who know the Old Testament. I mean, they, they, they know the words of the Old Testament. They've got a lot of it memorized. They've thought about it a lot. They've talked about it a lot. They're experts. And so he's talking to them and he says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But then he says, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus says, you're reading the Old Testament, but you're doing it wrong. He says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. So he's saying to them, you guys love Moses. You love the writings of Moses. You love what we would call like the the Pentateuch, the books of the law. You love the Old Testament. But then he says, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. John 5, 46, Moses wrote of me. What was Moses ultimately writing about? What is Genesis uh, about? What is Exodus about? Ultimately, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus is saying, the Old Testament is pointing to me. If you believed the words of Moses, you would believe upon me. He wrote about me, Jesus says. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. And so in this particular little Bible study, he's showing them over and over and over again the scriptures that are, that, that, that prove that the Messiah is going to suffer. So he, he gives them the scriptures that are pointing to a suffering Christ, a suffering Savior. I mean, and He could have taken them to a lot of places, right? Starting like in Genesis 3.15, the One who would crush the head of the serpent is going to have His heel crushed. He's going to be victorious, but it's going to hurt. He could have taken them to Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement, where the sins of Israel are transferred to the head of a goat, and this goat carries them out into the wilderness. He could have gone to Isaiah 50, where it says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Or Isaiah 53, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. The Christ is going to suffer for the sins of His people. Perhaps He took them to the blood spilled at Passover. He could have pointed them to all of the sacrifice and the whole priesthood, tabernacle, temple system. Maybe He took them to Zechariah 9.12 where God Himself is pierced. This was about a two-hour walk and Jesus did not run out of Old Testament passages that pointed to His suffering. The Son of God came to die. He came to suffer the punishment that we deserve for our sin. He came to suffer. So in the Old Testament, it is the Old Testament is a bloody book. If the sins are going to be paid for, if God is going to have any fellowship with His people, there is a blood that must be shed. All of the altars, all of the lambs, all of it was pointing to Jesus. He is the sacrifice that we need for our sin. We need our iniquities transferred to Him. We need Him to pay for what we have done. This is what Jesus does when He comes along as two broken-hearted disciples. He doesn't do like a magic trick. He doesn't open up their eyes so that they see, oh, it's the resurrected Christ. He doesn't do that. He shows them the Gospel in the Bible. He holds a Bible study. So that's part two, Bible study. Part three, after the Bible study. If anybody wants help developing sermon outlines, I'm your guy. Before the Bible study, the Bible study, after the Bible study. I don't know why people don't reach out to me more for this kind of stuff. Verse 28, a couple of really interesting things happen here. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urgently, they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. So for some reason, in that moment, when he is breaking bread... When he is praying over the bread, when he is giving them the bread, their eyes are opened. Um, People have written a lot about what that could possibly mean. I'm not sure what it means. But I know it's fascinating that that's the moment where their eyes were opened. That's the moment where Jesus revealed himself to them. And then what's really weird is right after that, the end of verse 31, and he vanished from their sight. So he's not a ghost. I mean, in a few, next, next week we're gonna see he ate some fish. Ghosts don't eat fish. I don't know what they eat. I don't think they eat anything. I think mean, it's part of being a ghost. You don't, you don't do digestion. And so, I think. And so, so he's not a phantom. He's not a ghost. He's not an illusion. He's not a vision. He's real. This is his resurrected body. And his resurrected body has the ability to vanish from sight. Very interesting. But then verse 32, this is, this is what we have to see. They said to each other, "Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scripture?" Do you see? Do, do you see what caused these guys to have like the good kind of heartburn? Right, like the, their hearts start to burn with them, and this is not like because they had too many tomato-based. Foods or something like that. This is um, this is the good kind of heartburn. This is this is anticipation and excitement and joy. Where their hopes were dashed, and now they're like they're they they're, they're full of hope again. They're full of courage again. When did it happen? It happened when he talked to them on the road. When he opened to them the Scriptures. It, it happened before they even fully recognized Him. It happened when they were reading the Bible together. I, I just, I just want to say again to us all, if you want your heart to burn with anticipation and courage and faith, if you want to be on the edge of your seat waiting for the, 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 the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, if you want that, if you want that kind of joy, you want that kind of courage, you want that kind of faith, here's the way forward. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Turn to the Scripture. Find your Savior there. So that's, a, that's such a lame application. See if anybody can say that. But none of us do it. Let's, let's, let's open up the Bible. Let's dig in. Let's commit ourselves to spending time in the Word of God. If you, you have a hard time reading, you have a hard time fitting that into your schedule, then you, you figure out a, an audio version you can listen to. You get an app on your phone and you listen to it as you're driving or as you're, as you're going over to Collins' house to get stumps out of his yard or whatever you're doing. You, you listen to it. You read it and you listen to it. You cannot grow otherwise and you cannot outgrow your need to do this. There's no substitute. When you are struggling, and we all struggle, when you are struggling with apathy, when you're just like, just like, I just want to get through this day, I just want to get through this week, I just want to go to bed, get this over with. When you recognize that there's not a lot of anticipation in your life and not a lot of excitement in your life, not a lot of joy in your life, you're not feeling particularly courageous, particularly motivated to make disciples, to, to commit to Jesus, to long for His return... You have to start here. You have to start here. Read the Bible. Listen to the Bible. You cannot grow otherwise. There's, no, there's nothing else in the before and after. There's, there's, if, you're trying, if you're trying to replace that middle thing with anything else, if you're trying to stick any other product in there, Is not going to work. We have to be people of the Word. Turn to the Scripture and find your Savior there. And then, just for an example of that, a great place to start, verse 33. So we're going to do it. We're going to we've said we need to do it. We've said we need to turn to scripture and find our savior there. So we're going to do it. Verse 33 and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with him with them gathered together saying verse 34 the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Okay, so like you could read the first part of Luke 24 34. You could read that on Monday. The Lord has risen indeed. That's enough to think about for Monday. Right? We serve a risen Savior. Just think about the implications of that all day. That's good for Monday. And then Tuesday, you do the second part of that verse. And has appeared to Simon. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible. I know I just said it, shut up. I know. This is what this really is. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible. He has appeared to Simon. Who does he highlight there? Simon, Peter. Who did Jesus appear to? Who does Luke think is interesting to to mention? Peter, the one who denied him, the one who pretended that he didn't know him while Jesus was dying. Peter's like, I don't, I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. The Lord has appeared to Simon. That is our Savior. That's our patient, merciful Savior. Full of forgiveness for those who trust in Him. Full of mercy for those who bumble along the way. Full of patience for those who look to Him sheepishly and say, I'm sorry again, Jesus. I'm sorry. That's our Savior who was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We are all Simon Peter. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The move from disillusionment to anticipation, the the move from broken hearted to joy, that move is the same it's ever been. It's turning to the Scriptures and finding Jesus there. Let's do it every single day. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. He is our wonderful Savior. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for um, giving me uh, the, uh, the vocal uh, t- health to, even though my throat sounds a little weird, thank you for giving me the strength to, to preach, and um, thank you for your word, thank you that you have given this to us, that by your spirit we can open up our, uh, the word of God and see our Savior There and we can be filled with joy. Thank you for that. I pray that you'd help us to commit to this, God. We thank you that the Lord is risen indeed, and we thank you that he has appeared to Simon, because we are all Simon. Thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.